Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. Hi, everybody. It's lunchtime at this child care center in Rutland. It's a nonprofit called the Vermont Achievement Center. My colleague Nina Keck recently stopped by. The classroom I'm in is filled with miniature sized tables and chairs, carpet squares, and plastic bins filled with art supplies. The smell of fish sticks blends with the scent of crayons, paste, and the sweet yet slightly grubby smell of small children. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're not a parent, welcome to child care. Hi. Do you have a doll? This is my microphone. And you have a pumpkin on your cheek. That's pretty cool. The rooms at the VAC are color-coded. And this room, which is filled with four-year-olds who desperately want to play with my recording gear, is called the brown room. Full disclosure, my own daughter spent time in this very room almost 20 years ago. Today, Nicole Lesperance is lead teacher. Describe what you do during the course of your day. Let's see. Ready? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm the preschool teacher, but more so I am the cleaner upper I'm the sometimes we're a referee we you may have heard of that book all I really need to know I learned in kindergarten well today for many kids those lessons start now before kindergarten making better choices or slowing down sitting following directions Lesperance has three kids of her own and has been working at the VAC for more than 12 years. Using their manners. She has blue eyes and chin-length reddish-brown hair that shines with streaks of purple in the right light. She's also got a bachelor's degree in social work from Castleton University. Putting away their own things, getting their own things, cleaning up their own messes. But she admits her education doesn't always register with parents. I think they think we're babysitters. They just bring their kids and they pick their kids up and sometimes they are very interested in what we're doing and we've done all day and sometimes it doesn't really matter and they're not interested. Does that rankle? Um, yeah, yeah, because um, I always refer to it as school and so to me it's you know we're going to school and I'm a preschool teacher and everything we do all day teaches them something. Can I ask you've been here for 12 years and it sounds like with your college degree all the training all the experience can I ask what you make an hour or like to give people a sense of the salary? Um, I make I think it's just over 14 an hour I don't remember exactly but it's 14 something. Um, but that's, yeah, with 12 years of um, 
building up to that. And a college degree. And a college degree that I still owe a lot of money for. From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. And I'm Nina Keck. Here on the show, we answer questions about Vermont that have been submitted and voted on by you, our audience, because we want to make our journalism more inclusive, more transparent, and more fun. This month, we dig into a topic that is not always fun, child care. The typical angle for stories about child care is about how expensive it is for parents and how difficult it is to even get a spot for your child, especially one for your baby. But there's another story here, too. It's about the professionals who take care of your kids and educate them. I think so often people do not recognize what it actually takes to be a great child care provider and educator. The person who led us to this topic in the first place is our winning question asker, John Sapora. I live in St. Johnsbury, Vermont, and my question is why are child care professionals and early childhood educators paid so poorly in Vermont? According to the U.S. Department of Labor, the median hourly wage for child care workers in Vermont is $13.27. That's less than $30,000 a year. Compare that to dental hygienists, 32 bucks an hour. Event planners, 21. Even the people who clean child care centers make more money. We have all these superb people who you know, love children, care about them, care about making sure that they have the best possible lives and all that, but they make salaries that are kind of equivalent to, you know, fast food workers, and that's just unconscionable to me. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive, from agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. John Sapora did not ask his question blindly. It turns out he's in the early education field, and he has a lot to say about it. Nina drove to his office to meet him. So I made it to St. Johnsbury, and I am at Springfield College, ready to talk to our question asker. And there's a very nice Welcome Nina sign taped to the front door. That's a good sign. John Sapora teaches a variety of online courses for Springfield College, which has a campus in St. Johnsbury. Come on in. I'm Darlene. Hi, Darlene. I'm Nina. Um, this is John. Hey, John. You know right away that John's job has to do with kids because of the way his office is decorated. There are paper cutouts from where the wild things are and a crazy assortment of toys and knickknacks everywhere. Well, I'm noticing a Mr. Po- a Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. I see, I see a, a little Woody doll from Toy Story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not just a Woody doll. I mean, let's point out that's actually also a fan. <laughs> and it's got candy in the base. So it's, you know, it's a threefer. It's not even just a twofer. Uh, the more I talk to John, the more his playfulness and passion for young children comes out. He doesn't have any kids of his own, but says after an early career as a builder and sculptor, 
he noticed how quickly his friend's children were learning, and he became fascinated by the process. My primary focus is early childhood education courses. Uh, that's what my degrees are in, at least my master's and my doctorate. So that's what the college hired me for, and that's where I get my primary professional pleasure. But John's conflicted. It's almost an ethical dilemma. Because while he's training people to go into a profession he cares deeply about. They love children. They know a lot about children. Maybe they want to open a center. It's a career that he knows will not provide his students with the credit or pay they deserve. The way the field is structured now, they're going to struggle. He and others that Angela and I talked to believe the field is at a tipping point. For, for, for decades, I've been hearing people say, oh, why do you do that field? It's just babysitting. And of course, to me, it's the most vital field out there, especially these days in the era of the ubiquitous opioid crisis and all that. Most people in Vermont agree with John. That's according to a recent poll conducted by VPR and Vermont PBS. The Vermont Rural Life Survey asked, how important is it to provide more childcare options in your community? And 76% of respondents said it was either very important or somewhat important. And that's pretty, uh, pretty strong. Rich Clark is a professor of political science at Castleton University. He directed the poll. And he says you can extrapolate that out to the entire state. Three quarters of Vermonters want more childcare in their communities. You know, it's for working parents that these issues really arise. Parents with a child under five years old were more likely to say more childcare is very important, which isn't surprising. But the poll showed a pretty well-distributed desire for more childcare across different age groups as well as different parts of the state. That's right. That's right. We're seeing very little differences by, uh, by region. To go back to what our question asker John pointed out about the connection between childcare and the opioid crisis, Rich Clark says this. Census data are telling us that uh, the percentage of households where grandparents are raising grandchildren has increased over the past two decades. And we're also seeing that where opioids and the opiate problems are, are greatest, that that is even more prevalent. Childcare was just a small part of the Vermont Rural Life Survey. It asked about everything from Vermonters' quality of life to whether people could afford an unexpected expense of $1,000. You can find all the results, as well as a bunch of analysis, at thislandvt.org. John, our question asker, talked about this field being at a tipping point. And in our interviews for this episode, we heard about everything from funding and access to salaries and training opportunities. We're going to get to all that. But on an even more basic level, those in the field say they need to figure out who they are and how they want to be known. What do we call people caring for our children today? Allie Richards is CEO of Let's Grow Kids, a nonprofit that's pushing to create more high-quality, affordable child care in Vermont. We should note, Let's Grow Kids is a VPR underwriter. Richards and others we talk to say it's time to clearly define and even brand this profession. Sure, because what do we say? So daycare um, operators or child care providers or early childhood educators or, you know, pre-K teachers. Um, there's a whole gamut. And there's no um, general agreement upon what is sort of the, the term. The one thing people in the field do agree on? Daycare is becoming a dirty word. So maybe this is part of the answer to John's question about why wages are so low. 
Because how are you supposed to fully value a profession if you don't even know what to call it? What do you think the best term would be? Early childhood educators, which is exactly what they're doing. I'm a literal person. (laughs) I think it's hard to talk to an early educator without talking about salary. It's always a little on the forefront. You know, it's a profession and therefore a job. So, you know, we are thinking about that. Beth Workman is co-director of Robin's Nest Children's Center in Burlington. It's a five-star program that serves about 35 children from infants to five-year-olds. Low salaries in her profession mean high turnover. You know, every day we're hearing about, you know, somebody who the public school or the elementary school has grabbed up because the wages are a little bit better. And, you know, somebody who could have been really a great four-year-old teacher, um, that's really hard to hear. People who work in private child care typically earn 30 to 50 percent less than people with similar qualifications who work in public schools. And maybe you're wondering, What's so different about teaching five-year-olds in kindergarten and teaching four-year-olds at a childcare center? Why the big pay gap? It goes back to funding. Public schools are paid for by everyone through taxes and state and federal subsidies. Paying for school teachers is considered a public good that we all chip in for. But childcare is paid for mostly by parents, often younger parents who are just starting their careers. Plus, the younger your kid, the smaller the class size has to be. That makes childcare more expensive, too. Then you've got a whole universe of licenses and qualifications that can differ between schools and childcare centers, and who oversees them. Not to mention all the different choices parents have for childcare, from grandma down the street to a five-star facility like Beth Workman's. And all of this adds up to a fragmented and expensive service. I would say that a family with two kids in childcare, if it's full-time, they're probably paying at least $600 a week in childcare, between five and 600, I guess. Wow. Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> I think actually childcare is very often more expensive than a mortgage payment. That's Heather Martin. She operates an infant care program in Proctor called Baby Steps. She's been in the industry for 14 years and works as an early childhood education consultant. Martin's got four kids of her own, and she says parents simply can't afford to pay more. And she's right. A Blue Ribbon Commission report on child care found that the estimated cost of high-quality early care and learning is unaffordable for almost 90% of Vermont families. So, cost to families is a big reason salaries are low. The way Let's Grow Kids puts it is, parents can't afford to pay more, and providers can't afford to work for less. The state has taken some of this on. In 2014, Vermont lawmakers passed Act 166. It funds universal pre-kindergarten for three- and four-year-olds with a licensed teacher. But it's hard to say how that impacts childcare salaries overall, because the state only funds 10 hours a week of pre-K during the school year. And it doesn't impact kids younger than three. And Nina, there are also subsidies to help some parents. Right. Head Start, which is federally funded, helps very low-income families. And Vermont has a child care financial assistance program that offers subsidies on a sliding scale to families who qualify. 
That fund actually got a boost this year when the Vermont legislature approved a $7.4 million increase in state child care spending. It was the biggest increase in years. Um, can you put that amount of money in context? Was this a big win? Was it a drop in the bucket? How, how are people feeling about it? Uh, it well, it's both, <laughs> to be honest. This is State Representative Teresa Wood. She led the effort to get this new funding, and she says it had broad support in Montpelier. It was not a party issue at all. You don't see many things come through the Vermont legislature that gets a $7.4 million boost in one year. And some of that money is for raising payments to child care providers. And by our ability to pay child care providers more, we then in turn hope that they will pay their staff more. Teresa Wood says she's heard from families and child care professionals who say the extra funding is making a difference. Just after the new rates went into effect, I was in a room with providers and family members, and literally the whole buzz was about this is saving my business, this is making it much more affordable. But providers we talked to told us something different. It's not extra money in their pocket. It just means less that a family would have to pay. This is Rosie Piontek. She's director of development at the Vermont Achievement Center. So what that means is rather than a $20 copay a parent might have, it might just be a $10 copay because they're qualified for more. But it doesn't mean the provider gets more. They charge a flat rate. That's what it is, whether it comes from the provider or from subsidy. Outside on the VAC's playground, a little girl swings happily over freshly laid ground cover. So this is the three-year-old classrooms. Enjoying the new mulch. Enjoying the new mulch and the beautiful weather today, yes. Beth McKee heads up the early education program at the VAC. She says they installed 40 tons of new specially formulated mulch that had to meet a long list of safety criteria. Oh, that feels great. Yeah, it's neat. It's very neat. It's really soft yeah. and squishy underfoot. And it doesn't, you know, we had wood chips before, and when it rained, the wood chips would all go out. And with that rain we had last Thursday, it all has stayed in place, so it's doing what it's supposed to do. Yep. That feels cool. Yeah, it's really neat. Kids like it. Getting the playground to have that safe, squishy feeling costs $20,000. And administrators say it's just one of a long list of requirements that impact what they can pay staff. On a day like today, we're sitting here in, in my office. You folks don't know, it's really warm in here. This is Mitch Golub, CEO of the Vermont Achievement Center. And one of the reasons it's really warm in here is because licensing requires the floor to be at a certain temperature. The kids need to be warm, but it's a big, old, inefficient building. So heating it is expensive. Then there are all the other standards. They have to have certain requirements for what they have for lunch, for what they have for snack, the kind of cots they have to sleep on. No one, this is not a complaint. This is what makes it safe, what ensures quality. But it also makes it hard to come up and explain why it costs what it costs. No one we talked to said that boost in state funding for childcare, $7.4 million, was bad. But there's also wide agreement that it really wasn't enough. What is enough? Well, let's take a look at an estimate from the 2016 Blue Ribbon Commission report on financing high-quality, affordable childcare. 
At that time, Vermont spent about $130 million total in state and federal money on early care and learning. Now, the commission also modeled what it would cost if Vermont were to go all out with childcare funding. Like, best case scenario. Access for all who need it in a flexible environment, um, and, you know, in this very, very high quality with a well-compensated professional, uh, wraparound services, nutrition, etc. Here's Allie Richards of Let's Grow Kids again. She says the commission determined that Vermont would need to spend way more than $130 million a year to get everything on that wish list. And they said the gap is about $206 million between what we pay today and what would cost to actually create this environment that we're talking about. Richards knows an extra $206 million is a lot of money. But... But think about it like this. We spend $1.8 billion on K-12, and we spend $600 million through our Agency of Human Services, and we spend $6 billion on health care. Now, there is an effort underway to continue to boost spending. Vermont's Department for Children and Families is in year one of a five-year plan to redesign the state's child care financial assistance program. But this plan isn't focused on wages specifically. So even if all the money comes through, it will only benefit child care workers indirectly. In any case, Representative Teresa Wood says more public funding can't be the only answer. It's a problem that is large enough that no single solution is going to be the right solution. And I think between government, between the private sector and between philanthropy, we are all going to have to do our part in order to make this more affordable for Vermont's families and for um, supporting the workforce to earn a livable wage. So here's where we're at. There are many answers to John's question about why childcare professionals are paid so poorly insufficient funding, lots of regulations, and a lack of a cohesive professional identity. The good news is that some people in this field are working on creative solutions. And so if you can scoot up a little bit, then my arm won't fall off, and I'd be like here. So So I'm kind of invading (laughs) your personal space. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to. So, Rick, just introduce yourself. I'm going to get a level on your voice while, while you're speaking. Okay, I'm Rick Reardon. I'm the Director of Education at Castleton University. Castleton just created a dual major for students in early childhood education and early childhood special ed. That program and others in Vermont are part of an effort to help set best practices and training requirements for the profession. Reardon says they're also trying to assist those already in the field with professional development. For three years in a row, we have held the uh, Early Childhood Educators Institute It's a uh, four-day institute that that aligns a lot of good work that's happening all over the state in the area with some credited coursework at either the graduate or undergraduate level. Underwriters help cover some of the costs for that course, but it's still a challenge for many to attend because unlike public school teachers who have separate in-service days, a lot of those working in child care have to fit training in on their own time. But Reardon believes it's necessary to boost standards and wages. I think that's the only thing that's going to change the narrative with what they're being paid and why they're being paid that. And employers can help, too. If you have a couple thousand dollars to match me on 403B, could you give me that couple thousand dollars to help with housing or early education? Former child care director Caprice Hover now heads up the Rutland County United Way. She thinks more flexible benefits from companies would help young families and the child care professionals they need. Because businesses want to support their employees. 
but this would be a really different way to support your employee. How about subsidizing their early education? And in Burlington, Robin's Nest Children's Center has been able to boost wages by incorporating a tiered tuition system. Here's co-director Beth Workman. That first tier is, you know, our expected tuition. And that just about covers things. But then other parents who might be willing to spend a little bit more can can do so. And all of that additional money goes directly to our teachers. Huh. So how many families pay more? Uh, quite a few. Um, I would say it's close to half of the families. Which, no surprise, makes staff feel good. Workman says the extra bonuses have boosted morale and slowed turnover. Because early education is such a an emotional field that, you know, to say we, we need more money feels awkward to us. But that's something they need to get over, she says. Like society needs to get over thinking it's okay that female-dominated fields earn less. And so I think, you know, in these power to the profession conversations, that's something that's coming up. You know, people are rising and saying, you know, what we need and frankly, barely scraping by, you know, with a degree in hand and years of experience, um, you know, just doesn't feel right anymore. And we're starting to demand more of this profession. Right now, others are setting the rules for childcare professionals. Sonia Raymond, executive director of the Vermont Association for the Education of Young Children, thinks that needs to change. It is up to us in the profession to decide these are the roles we would hold. And this is the scope of practice that they can do, as well as what are the competencies that we are required to meet. Plus, she says, they'll need a system to hold themselves accountable. Allie Richards of Let's Grow Kids thinks child care professionals could learn a thing or two from nurses. Decades ago, nurses were dismissed as pillow fluffers. Now, nurses are seen as crucial to the health care system. Richards and others say it's time to build the same awareness and respect for people who work in child care and early ed. Because big picture, this isn't just about wages for these folks. If the state wants young professionals to stay here, move here, and fill critical jobs, pretty much everybody agrees that affordable, high-quality child care is key. Basically, it's the it's the age-old image of building a house. You're creating your brain foundational architecture, or you're not. Allie Richard says the science also backs up the benefits of nurturing brains before the age of five. The trick will be to find the money to make it happen. You're actually between zero and five, creating your foundation for um, propensity or resiliency for addictive behaviors, chronic disease, including cardiovascular disease, diabetes. Um, How you're treated when you're a toddler impacts whether or not you might become addicted to opioids later in life? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. Put another way, Richards and others say... We can pay now to increase quality early child care and education or pay even more later if we don't.
Thanks so much for listening to the show. Nina Keck reported this episode with me. We've got photos of a day in the life of Rutland preschool teacher Nicole Lesperance up at our website, bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can also submit a question of your own or vote on the one you want us to tackle next. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund. How can you support the show? Leave us a rating or review in your favorite podcast app or become a sustaining member of VPR. Our editor is Lynn McRae, and our theme music is by Ty Gibbons. Other music in this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. We have engineering support from Chris Albertine, and our digital producer is Elodie Reed. Special thanks this month to Melissa Regal Garrett and Matt Levin. I'm Angela Evansy. Watch your feeds next week for something special. And remember, be brave, ask questions. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.